My name is Peter Reeves. I come all the way from the beautiful, majestic, alligator-infested Orlando, Florida. And, uh, man, I am just so excited to be here. And uh, I, I love what God is doing here. Just a couple things about me before we jump into the word today. Uh, I have one wife. Hello, 2024. I like to be specific. I have one wife, uh, two kids, and a fish that's going on to be with the Lord. And uh, I want to show you a quick picture of my family. Uh, because I did not just come here. I was sent here. Yeah, yeah, I asked my family to send me everywhere that I go. Unless you guys don't want to see my family on the tech team, that's fine. We don't have to. Uh, you can put up a picture of them, though. And uh, in that picture, though, you'll see um, that picture of my family. Maybe I didn't send it to you, and I'm making you look bad. My bad, bro. Um, don't wait for me in the parking lot. And so... Uh, my family, though, I'll tell you, um, my family is incredible. I have two light-skinned babies, and I like to say about them, they are golden brown, but they will take you down. You know what I'm saying? Uh, they are beautiful. You can just go on my Instagram, I guess, and look at them. They're incredible and, and beautiful. And then uh, my wife, um, she is of lighter complexion than me. She's white. Hello. And uh, she's white. And, uh, you know, together we make a beautiful family. We're so excited about what God is doing with our family. And I like to say it like this, though. I, I really do love everything about my wife we met. Um, when we were 15 years old, right? Like I saw her worshiping. I was like, I choose you, you know? So, um, but Joanna, I love everything about her. I love the way she takes care of our kids. Uh, I love the call of God on her life. I'm so excited she's coming here to preach and, and that you get to hear her. Man, I just love the way uh, she helps lead our family. And I, I love that she's a great cook. I love that she's a great leader. I love all these things about her. I love that she loves her steak, medium rare, but her man, well done. Come on, church. Give him some shouts. Come on! She likes her coffee with no cream, if you know what I mean. You know? And so, uh, are you offended? I'm sorry. <laughs> and so, I'm just, I'm just grateful for our family. Um, I, uh, I come from an African Pentecostal family. And uh, so emphasis on the African, like I couldn't even just watch Lion King, Jungle Book, anything with my mom. She'd start crying, especially when they got to the part that it was like, yeah, I see him. My mom just over there praising God, worshiping him. And so just emphasis on that. But also, I always, I always say this every time I preach because I need you to know the environment in which my faith begin to grow. Here it is. Uh, I'll never forget it. One time I was at school and I invited some friends over to come over to my house. All of you who are young in this room, you will not know what this is, but everyone else who's a little older will know. I invited some friends to come over to my house to eat some Dunkaroos. Hello, somebody. Um, you're like, what is a Dunkaroo? It is uh, some cookies that are disgusting with some icing that is delicious. You dip it in there and feel the glory of God. Okay, and so so I invited my friends to come over and participate in this activity with me. And, uh, and so we get to the door. And when we get to the door of our house, I hear screaming. Okay? Like ab somebody absolutely screaming. And, and, and so I go inside and I see it's my mom. I get to the front and my mom is a 410 African woman. Looks like she could have a lead role in Black Panther. Okay? And so my mom is praying over our vacuum, church. She's like, in the name of Jesus, I come against this vacuum. This is a devil vacuum. A demon, right? Like she's just going in. I said, um, mom, what, what is going on right now? What, what is happening? She said, Peter, listen to me. I had no idea that when, when I bought this vacuum, it was a dead devil. And there will be no devils allowed in this house. I was like, oh, wow. Y'all got to leave. Leave immediately and don't look back. You know, so 
that's the environment in which I grew up in, and that's how I learned how to preach God's word in that environment. And so today, I'm going to be a little loud. Some of you are like, already, you're like, he is so loud. You're right, I am. Uh, because when God has done a lot in your life, though, it's hard to be quiet. Can somebody testify to that? You can be quiet if you want to, but when God has saved you and delivered you and rescued you from so much, I don't know how you do it. It's impossible to me to not give God a praise when we start talking about faith. Amen. So, so I might uh, get a little excited. I know I'm in Minnesota. You guys are polite, very courteous, but I might get excited today. As a matter of fact, if I feel like you're not with me, church, I will turn it on. You know what I mean? Like, like I could be preaching to you, and then if I feel like I'm not with you, I hit you with the well, well, well. Sometimes, but Bible said that God, that he, you know. So I don't want to. I really, it's very unnecessary. But I will, and then we'll take up like 52 offerings. Amen. So, okay. All right, here we go. I have a word from the Lord tonight that I feel like is so um, just in tune with where you are at. And uh, I have not preached this anywhere else. And as I came to the start of the year knowing I was going to be here, the Lord began to speak to me. And and so if you could go with me to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. And then we're going to go to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. Uh, It's going to be on the screen. Genesis chapter 1, verse 12. And I like to start with the Old Testament because I like to know the history of our God. It is a red flag to me when people don't delight in the Old Testament. Here's why. Because when you are in love with someone, you want to know their history. Uh, Because I'm in love with Jesus, I want to know the history that led to his arrival. So when people delight and enjoy the Old Testament or the New Testament, but not the Old Testament, it is a major red flag to me. So let's start in the Old Testament today. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, just one verse. It said, God told Abram, God told Abram, leave your country, your family, and your father's home for a land that I will show you. I will not expound upon this, but it's my favorite thing to preach in the world because his name in this text is Abram. But we know him as Abra. Do you know how he got the ham on his name? <laughs> it's actually one of the most powerful positions of of understanding in the scripture that we can ever lead to. Actually, I'm going to take liberty and go ahead and share with you. Abram is a man of God, and Abram walks in covenant with God. But to understand the story of Abram, you've got to understand the story of Noah. Let me back up. Okay, in the Bible, there's a man named Noah, and he has three sons, right? Noah is the man that builds the ark, right? Uh, The Lord rescues him and his family while he floods the earth. Noah is really good at building boats. He is terrible at naming kids. He has three sons, Ham, Sham, and Japheth, okay? Uh, All of those names are easily bullyable, right? So like Ham, Sham, and Japheth. So one day Noah's son Ham, he, he, the Bible says that he goes into a tent and he sees his father in an inappropriate way, right? It's the first sign of uh, of real deep perversion we see in the Bible. And so Ham now has done this thing and his other two brothers, Sham and Japheth, they come in and they clothe their father's nakedness and now their father's clothes. When he wakes up, actually the Bible says the reason Noah is asleep is because he had too many Capri sons and he was drunk he was in a tent and he was naked how that correlates I don't know but that's what happened okay and so his brother they cover him right in his nakedness the other two brothers and when their dad wakes up they tell 
Noah, or, or uh, they tell Noah, they say, hey, Ham looked at you inappropriately. To make a long story short, Noah basically says, curse be Canaan. Who is Canaan? Canaan is his grandson, right? Ham, his son, had a son. His name was Canaan. So he says, curse me, my grandson. Because of what your father has done, now this affects you. That's the same way it still happens today. What one generation tolerates deeply affects the next generation. Okay, anyway, so now Canaan is a cursed land. That means anywhere Canaan goes, that land is cursed okay fast forward now to the story of Abram right Abram is a covenant man who walks with God and you'll see right here that he's in he's obedient to the voice of God because the scripture says God told Abram leave your country he listened to God he wanders and wanders and wanders which I'm going to talk about tonight and enters the land of Canaan and now God looks at a man who's a covenant person who walked into a cursed situation and God says you are going to redeem and inherit it what Ham forfeited when he looked at his father inappropriately, and now your name is not Abram, but Abraham. You inherited what he forfeited, because that's what happens when covenant people walk into cursed lands. This is my life's message. I could preach about it all day long. So that's what's happening in our story. God told Abram, before he picked up a ham, leave your country, your family, and your father's home for the land that I will show you. Woo! Go to the place, to a land that I will show you. Now, Hebrews 11, chapter 8, right? Hebrews 11, chapter 8. I love the book of Hebrews. It blends the Old Testament and the New Testament so beautifully together, right? Here's what it says. By an act of faith, Abraham, now he has got his full name, has said yes to God's call to travel to an unknown place that would become his home. When he left, he had no idea where he was going. That's pivotal to our text today. He didn't know where he was going. By an act of faith, he lived in a country promised to him. He lived as a stranger camping in tents. Hello? I'm going to just be honest with you today. I don't like to camp. I, I don't want to pretend to be homeless. But Abraham is doing it. Isaac and Jacob did the same, living under the same promise. Abraham did it by keeping his eyes on an unseen city with real, uh, with real eternal foundations, the city designed and built by God. I want to preach for just a few moments today for the next 27 minutes from the thought, live without the details. Live without the details. I'm simply asking you to do every time you buy an iPhone or rent a car or download an app, right? I've never seen anybody download an app and scroll through all the terms and conditions, reading every word. They just check it and they go on to do whatever they're going to do. So we have conditioned ourselves already to live without the details. I'm just asking you to do it spiritually today. Let's pray one more time so that I can preach this word. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we pray that as we dive into your word and as we go into your word, that your word would go into us and that we would leave this place full of faith, understanding God that you are on our side and you've called us to great things. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. You know what blows my mind about this scripture is that our main character is one of the greatest men of God to ever walk the planet, yet there was a time in his life where even he didn't know where to go. There was a time in his life where even he lacked direction. This should be so encouraging to all of us in this room who at some point did not know where to go or maybe we're in a season where we do not know where to go because you could have no direction but still be in God's divine will. 
right? He does not know where to go. And if I'm just being honest in this place today, I'm not one of those people that likes to just like wander. Like I like to know where I'm going, okay? Like I like to have an idea of what is happening. Like I'm so uh, into the details that sometimes like even if I know where I'm going, I'll still put in Apple Maps to try to get the fastest route there, okay? Is there anybody like that in this room today? Okay, I enjoy the details. I'm, I'm interested in the behind the scenes. I'm interested uh, in being, uh, in helping control and dictate the outcome. And I had this friend one time, and uh, we're still friends today, less friends, like not as good as friends as we used to be, but I had this friend, and we were on a trip together. I was preaching in a city, uh, actually in Boston, and he was with me on this trip, and I, I decided, I said, man, let's go get something to eat. I'm going to look up a place for us to go. And he goes, no, Peter, let's just explore. I'm like, calm down, Dora. Why do we have to explore? I, I don't want to explore. People have already explored these locations and they've given us reviews so that you and I can divine, dine at the finest establishments. What's wrong with you? He's like, Peter, we don't need to do that. Just put your phone away. Let's just wander around the city. I said, wander? This is not a date, bro. I don't need to wander around the city with you. Let's figure out what we're going to do so we can get where we need to go. I'm a person that likes to control the outcome. Here's what I did not anticipate, though, is that I would allow what my preference was in the natural to creep into my relationship with God, that's supernatural. And, and so I can control the outcomes and the details and the decisions out here. But then when it would come to my relationship with God, I never said it with my lips, but I said it with my life. God, I'll do what you ask me to do if you give me the details. And I want to be vulnerable before you today, Bethel's wrong. I want to be vulnerable and tell you that I allowed my need for the details to, to lead me into disobedience. It happened to me. Because here's what happened. This is only my second year traveling as, a, as an evangelist. God asked me to step out in faith. Uh, I preached the gospel all over the world. It's literally the greatest privilege of my life. And in 2023, last year we started our ministry. It has been phenomenal. Last year we saw 1,100 people come to Christ, like real decisions for Christ. We saw over 600 young people say yes to the call of ministry. Over 500 people physically documented and healed. Man, it was awesome. It was such a great season of ministry. And you might be like, that's awesome. Awesome. And it is awesome, but I want to let you know, in 2023, I started my ministry, and that was disobedience. Because three years before that, in 2019, God told me, now is the time for you to go on the road. And I said, I'll go if you give me more details. God, who's going to book me? God, where am I going to go? Who's going to be my covering? How is this going to work out? God, what do you need me to do? And I allowed my desire for the details to rob me of God's divine plan for my life, and it led me into disobedience. Oh, I feel like God is speaking to us today. He's saying step out without the details. Friends, if you need God to dot every I and cross every T, you will miss what he's calling you to. You'll miss it. Actually, what I've discovered is that the need for details derails most Christians. Let me say it like this. The need for details derails more Christians than demons do. Let's, let's talk about it, right? Because we are so quick to give demons credit. Now, I just have a bad attitude. I'm getting attacked by a devil. No, you just have a bad attitude. Just say what it is, right? We blame demons for the, the devil's attacking my waistline. No, that's called Krispy Kreme, and that could be a kind of demon, but it's attacking. You know what I'm saying? The devil's just attacking. No, no, you're just angry. Just say what it is today. But the need for details derails more Christians than I believe even demons do. Let me, let me say it like this today. If safety and security is your priority, then you won't see the supernatural. 
if you need to understand it all to take a step of faith, oh, you'll miss what God's trying to do. So Abram, Abraham, he, he saw the supernatural because he didn't need the details to do what God called him to do. Abraham represents those of us who are moving in the right direction. We just don't have all the instructions. He represents those of us who we know we're going the right direction. I can feel the wind of heaven at my back. I feel like things are starting to line up, but I'm not actually sure what God wants me to do. Oh, he moved in the right direction without instruction. I want to take a look at his story today because I believe there's some things that Abraham knew that I want us to understand today that I believe are going to help us step out in great faith. Man, we learned all these things about healing, about miracles, about the power of God, about tests. We learned all these things this whole week, but now I'm trying to teach you how to move all of those things from what you've heard here into your personal faith, your life, it's God's calling us to live without the details. Okay, let me give you some insight onto what Abraham knew. Number one, by an act of faith, by an act of faith. Here's what Abraham knew, that faith isn't just believing, faith is action. Woo! Faith, look, you can believe in demons, you won't be able to cast them out until you start moving in faith. Hello? Faith isn't just believing. It's actually, let me say it like this today. God is pleased by belief, but he only blesses action. He's pleased by your belief. You're like, I believe in God, and we are excited. We're excited for you. Oh. I worship, sir. I am so glad you're a worshiper. But God, he is pleased with belief, but he blesses action. I, I talked about Noah already, but let me say it like this. Noah didn't believe God when he heard what God said about what was to come. Noah believed God when he took the first nail and hammered it into that wood to begin building the ark. I believe God when I begin to move on what he told me. Oh, you know the scripture says it. Don't just be hearers of the word. Be doers of the word. We are doing what God called us to do. You know what's so interesting? Churches everywhere. I go to churches all the time and they'll say, we believe in healing. And I'll sit through the whole service. They didn't pray for anybody. We, we believe in giving. Never talked about giving in the service. We believe in the great commission and witnessing. You see, just because you believe those are good things does not mean you have the faith to participate in them. You don't think people, you don't think that God can heal people when you just think about it. You think that God can heal people when you start praying for sick people. You don't believe that God will provide for your every need when you say, wow, this is really nice. He owns a thousand cattle on a thousand hills. No, you believe it when you decide to become a giver. Can I talk in this place today? You don't believe that Pastor James and Heather are anointed when you see them shake their hand and smile. You believe when they're, anoint they're anointed when you start crying out in prayer for them, saying, God, thank you for my pastor. Bless him. Cover him. Watch over him. Let everything that his hands touch be blessed and multiplied. That's when you believe. You don't believe Jesus can save when you experience salvation in your own life. You believe Jesus can save when you begin to tell other people about him. Faith is action. Faith is movement. Thank God that the disciples didn't get filled with the Holy Ghost and just start talking to more tongues than the United Nations for hours. Thank God that they came down out of the upper room and into the earth. Friends, this is not a kumbaya club where we can just gather together and say, what do you believe? This is what I believe. Can we debate this? Can we debate that? At some point, somebody has to pray. At some point, somebody has to give. At some point, somebody has to believe. You've got to be able to move without the details. Paul knew this. And so the scripture says, that he, the writer of Hebrews, we're not sure it is, but he says, by an act of faith, Abraham said yes to God's call. Here's thought number two. Here's what he understood. Here's what Abraham understood. Quote my mom right here. She said, your yes without hesitation is the best offering you can give to God. 
Now, some of you, you're like, oh, I don't got to give no more offerings. Thank you, God, because I am tapped, Jesus. I've just been buying Bamba socks at Stanley's, as many as I have, right? What am I going to do? No, I'm not saying don't give an offering. I'm just saying your best offering is your yes. The reason I have to talk about this today is because I'm doing a deep dive into church history right now. And in church history, it is so interesting how we have determined the, um, the pillars of our faith around what we say no to. Right? Well, we're Christians. We don't do that. We don't go there. No to that. No to this. No to them. No to that situation. If you even go further back, even into the early church fathers, it was about, no, we don't eat that. No, we don't go over there. No, we don't say that. We have taken this beautiful, complex, uh, this uh, unwinding, it's so majestic and holy and wonderful, this faith that God has given us, and reduced that beauty to a list of no's. But I want you to know, it's not about the no, it's about your yes. Your yes without hesitation is the best offering that you can give God. God, I don't understand why this is happening, but I'm doing what you're saying. I don't understand why I'm going there, but I'm going because you said so. I don't understand why I'm giving, but I'm giving because you asked me. God, I'm going to live without the details. Do you know every story in scripture that you and I, we like, are so, I'm, I'm trying to be careful with how I say this because the Bible is the inherent word of God. We need it. We need the testimonies of scriptures. They're God's word. But we obsess over these stories in the Bible, and we dive into these stories in the Bible, and we only talk about these stories in the Bible because we don't have our own. And you think you're a scholar, and I say you have no faith. Because Paul did not just write to you about what the Spirit of God did so you could say the Spirit of God did that. Paul wrote to you about what the Spirit of God did so that you could experience what the Spirit of God could do. He wrote about it so you could live it. But someone has to say yes. Someone has to give God a yes without hesitation. Thank God Noah said yes. Noah said yes. He didn't know how long he'd be in that boat with his family. <laughs> but he said yes. The reason that hits home is because my in-laws are living with me right now. And if they're watching, I love them so much. You guys can say as, as long as you want. Noah had no idea that he was going to be in the boat for 150 days waiting on the water to come down, that he was going to be in there with his family. He had no idea. And here's what I often think is God is so good, and he loves us so much, he knows that if he gave us all the details, we would say no to what he's asking us to do. You know, maybe this is why the Bible refers to the people of God as sheep. Not because you're like, oh, I'm cuddly. Not that. That's not what it is. Maybe the Bible refers to us as sheep because for sheep, they, they have a good sense of smell, but they have a terrible sense of sight. Sheep can only see a few feet in front of them. And so when God calls us sheep, he's saying, I don't want you to see the whole picture. I don't need you to see all things as they are. What I need you to do is see directly what I put in front of you. Would you trust me with your yes and let me lead you? I am the good shepherd. Maybe that's the conversation that he's inviting us into. Live without the details. Thank God Noah didn't know, but he said yes. Thank God Mary did not know that people would look down upon her. People who used to celebrate her and speak to her about her future and tell her that she was going to be a woman that people would revere and love and remember. The minute they found out she was pregnant, did not know it was a virgin birth. They looked down on her, but thank God Mary said yes. 
But thank God that Jesus, even himself, who if you don't think Jesus got overwhelmed, man, you're just not reading the whole Bible. Because it says he was in the garden and he looked up into the heavenly places and he said, Elamai, Elamai, Labak, Taksani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He was overwhelmed. Yet Jesus released his yes, not my will, but your will be done. You see, your yes, without hesitation, is the best offering you can give God. You know, that's why the conversations in church are curated. We got to curate them. Because I'll say it like this. When we start talking about foster care, that's what our ministry does, Reason Initiative. We travel and preach around the, uh, around the world. But we also, uh, every year, we, we raise money to take care of foster families. We just feel like that's the revival that's coming. Revival's not going to be in a church. It's going to be in your home. Right? Look, I'm, I'm pro-life. I'm also pro-take care of them after they're alive. Hello? <laughs> And so we, 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 we are on a mission to, to assist and help and take care of foster families. And I, I say that because if we start talking about foster care and we start talking about uh, inconveniencing our lives and we start talking about even bigger giving and we start talking about you showing up early and praying over your workplace and we start talking about all these other things, uh, we, we get scared that people might say yes and that we don't know how to lead them into that. So we curate the conversations and we give you minimal steps to say yes to so that you're not disappointed and we're not disappointed. Is that too much for a guest speaker? My bad. <laughs> Hear me. Our yes is what God is calling us to. <sighs> okay. I had a friend uh, who has just made the decision to, uh, to go to Sudan to be a missionary. And, um, I mean, I don't know much about the, the country, but I, I know that it's not Disney World. Hello. <laughs> it's not Magic Kingdom. Um, I know he's, he's going into a tough situation and we had a challenging conversation and I, maybe I'm too vulnerable from the pulpit but I, I just uh, had a conversation with him and I was frustrated with him a little bit because he quit his job and he's going through this training right now. He's not go, going to be an Assemblies of God missionary which I really encourage him to do that. We didn't want to. He's going with another organization. He's going through the training. He had to quit his job. And I just said, man, what are you going to do? And this is literally a conversation we had a couple weeks ago. I said, you don't know the details of the situation. And he looked me in my face and he said, Pete, I don't need to know the details because I had a divine encounter. I had a divine encounter. And the Lord just reminded me of that as I was developing this message. That when God calls you, if it's really him, you're not getting the details. Why are you telling me that, Pastor? So you can just say yes. It's time to open up your home. Yes. It's time to give more than you planned. Yes. It's time to up your serving. Yes. It's time to go on the mission trip. Yes. Oh, okay, all right, fine. It's time to plant that church. Yes. Okay. Here's something else that I believe Abraham knew. Because the scripture says this about him. That when he left, he had no idea where he was going. Like this is Abraham we're talking about. You know, like as in Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, this is him. He left without knowing where he was going. And the Lord spoke to me. Here's what Abraham knew. Never allow your lack of understanding to be the barrier to your breakthrough. Teenagers never allow their understanding to be their barrier. You know how many kids come up to me at youth camps, youth events? I'm like, pastor, I need you to pray. I'm like, all right, what are we praying for? My relationship. I'm like, you're 12. You don't know anything about relationships. You have zero dollars. That's what I tell them. I'm really an encourager. <laughs> they have no idea. But they never 
allow their understanding to be a barrier. It's, it's this thing as we get a little bit older, we, we need God to explain it in greater detail for us before we would do what he's asked us to do. And as I was reflecting on this point, I went back to two of my favorite men of God. And I know he's in the fire right now, but nonetheless, he's one of my favorite, Bishop T.D. Jakes, and the other one is David Wilkerson. They're the two people that have influenced my life from a distance as, and the most. And uh, both of their stories are super interesting to me, both Bishop Jakes and David Wilkerson, who was going to, on to be with the Lord. Both of these men were men of God who the Lord spoke to them and told them to leave the cities that they were in to go plant churches in different cities. Told Bishop Jakes to move from West Virginia where his church was thriving and growing and developing and told him to go to Dallas, Texas. He said, when I showed up, I did not know anyone. I did not have anything. No one committed to give to me. No one committed to help me. But God told me to go. He left without the details. The other person is David Wilkerson. God left, told him to leave from Pennsylvania to go to New York City. He planted Times Square Church, which is a phenomenal church, one of the best churches in our nation. Thousands, millions of people, I would dare to say, being touched by the ministry that's happening there. But both of those men left without the details. Don't you see? That's kind of the pattern of our God. Oh, the Bible says right now, while we are on the earth, you and I, better accept it we're going to see in part we don't have the whole picture but one day because our Jesus is good and because he's real we will have a divine revelation of the entire picture but while we are here we're not going to shrink back we're not going to hide we're not going to say somebody else can do it we're going to live without the details God, I don't have to have you to explain everything to me before I step out in faith because I know faith is the only way to please you. Well, friends, some of you need to start banking with heaven. Hear me. Faith is the currency of heaven. Like, I just feel so distant, disconnected from what God is doing. At what point do you step out in faith? You know, my, um, one of the people in my life, I tend to do this when I preach that has impacted my life greatly concerning the things of God is my Uncle Patrick. I love him for a lot of reasons. Uh, I love him, number one, uh, because he's darker than me. And when I stand next to him, I feel light skin. Because um, I'm, like, I'm like 1130, but he's midnight. You know what I mean? <laughs> like Uncle Pat closes his eyes. He's gone. You know, it's like. And so me and my Uncle Patrick were talking. And uh, he's like, Peter, um, me and your aunt are moving. I said, where are you guys moving? He goes, we don't know. I'm like, Uncle Pat, this, this is not a good idea. Now, this is before I put this sermon together. Now I'm like, it's a great idea. Go. Leave. I mean, get out of here. Right? But at the time, I was like, this is a terrible idea. You have a wife? Family? Uncle Patrick, what are you doing? And he said to me, he said, Peter, he said, this is the way I feel the most comfortable with God. He said, he gets to comfort me. I said, what are you talking about? He said, Peter, don't you know that the Spirit of God is called the Comforter? I said, yeah. He goes, do you feel comforted by him? I said, uh-uh. <laughs> and he said, because you're not doing anything uncomfortable. Oh, he could be the Comforter all day long. He could be the comforter all day long. But what are you doing that requires him to comfort you? Most of us are more comfortable than we've ever been. Comfortability has been our goal, our guide, our desire, and our greatest pursuit. You don't need a comforter. He said, what are you doing that's uncomfortable? He said, this is where I feel safest with God. Another man that I had a conversation with concerning this point of never allowing your understanding to be your breakthrough was a, my Sunday school teacher, Mr. Neal. 
Only two simple facts about Mr. New. Number one, he smelled like Vicks VapoRub at all times. I don't know what it was about the 90s. They were just like, Vicks. I'm like, Mom, I'm sick. She's like, rub Vicks on the bottom of your feet and put on your socks. She rub the Vicks on the bottom of your feet and put on the socks, okay? Mm-mm. Right? They, she thought Vicks fixed everything. I was like, Mom, I have a headache. She was like, take Vicks and rub it on your temples. What? I'm like, Mom, I broke my arm. She's like, get the Vicks. Mom, me and my girlfriend broke up. Take Vicks and anoint her with, you know, so. <laughs> Mr. Neal, at all times, smelled like Vicks. Actually, that's not true. On Sundays, he smelled like Ben Gay. Now, I know the students in here are like, what does this have to do with his sexual orientation? Ben Gay is not a person. It's a cream you rub on your joints when you get old. You can't say gay without young people being like, hey, why this? Is that too much? I'm sorry. So I'm feeling spicy, but I'm leaving in like 12 hours. So So Mr. Neal, Mr. Neal, he's in Sunday school. He's teaching us. He was really, he smelled like Vicks. He's also passionate about evangelism, the things of God. And I said, Mr. Neal, I just don't, I don't understand how to evangelize. He said, Peter, that's the problem. You're not looking for Jesus in people. You're trying to understand. And there's some things that God is calling you to do where you won't understand, young man. Can you trust God, he asked me, without understanding him? Bethel's Rock, I'm asking you today, can you trust God? without understanding you? Or is your understanding a barrier? (laughs) Okay, lastly today, I'm I'm finished. Here's what Abraham understood. (laughs) Let me just read it to you one more time. He said, he lived as a stranger camping in tents. Isaac and Jacob did the same, so his sons followed in his same pattern of faith. Can I tell you something today? We can complain about how this generation doesn't have faith, or we can just accept responsibility that we have taught them the pattern of not having faith. <laughs> it's like my wife goes to these mom groups, and I actually like going with her, right? She's like, oh, you will not believe what Cynthia said to me. I'm like, tell me, girl, what she said, right? <laughs> but it is crazy watching people parent. Now, listen, I learned, the first lesson I learned as a new parent is don't judge other parents because you don't know what you're doing either. You know what I mean? Like the other day, like me and my daughter are having this conversation right now. We take them to Disney World all the time. We are seasoned pass holders. First of all, I put my foot down when we moved to Florida. I was like, we will not be pass holders. Two weeks later, we are pass holders, okay? And um, so me and, my, me and my daughter and my wife and my, we'll, we'll take our whole family, we'll go. Uh, and, and I'll be like, well, we went to um, Hollywood Studios and we saw Elsa. My daughter's like, oh my gosh, Elsa. You know what I mean? But she's light-skinned, so I call her Belsa, Black Elsa. And so... Um, She's like spinning, and it's like, for the first time in forever, right? She's spinning, and I said, I just, I just felt the Holy Ghost. I said, Charlie, Elsa doesn't have the power. She was like, Elsa does have the power. I was like, no, it's Jesus has the power. We're having this argument, right? So anyway, I don't judge people's parenting, but I'm at this group with my wife, and it's crazy. These, these moms will say things like, I just want her to be kind. That's all I'm asking. I'm not asking you to eat. You don't eat anything, right, toddlers? You don't sleep. I just want her to be kind. And then the mom will yell at the moderator of the room or the person bringing the lattes or something. I'm like, mm, mm, mm. See what happened there, Heather? But 
the truth is we expect things from the next generation that we never expected of ourselves. But the Bible says that Abraham, he lived that way, and Isaac and Jacob also lived under that same promise. You see, faith is a pattern that is taught. So if you're not pleased with the faith of the generation coming behind us, it's because we have patterned it for them. We have what we have allowed. Nobody likes that? Okay, praise God. Um, Okay, here's the last point. Here's what I believe Abraham knew. That what it says that he kept his eyes on a real city with earthly foundations designed and built by God. Here's the last point. Whatever you keep your eye on will capture you. Whatever you keep your eye on will capture you. Um, I think it's why most Christians are aware of what they lack which is why all of our prayer lives are about us asking God to do things that he doesn't want to do and then we get mad that he doesn't do them. Most of our prayer lives are like, God, I need. God, if you. God, can I? When actually, if we really scroll through the pages of history, that wasn't the purpose of prayer. The purpose of prayer was not for you to get something from God. The purpose of prayer was for you to receive God and delight in him and know him. That's why Jesus says, when you pray, pray like this, our Father who art in heaven, a revelation of who you are. Abraham did it by keeping his eyes on an unseen city with real earthly foundations, a city designed and built by God. When Christians are captured by Christ, it's simple, they see the impossible. So funny, I am. Uh... Oh, man. Because I'll just tell on myself, like, I'm really bad. My mom said this the whole time. You're so bad at lying. I know when you're lying immediately. So I just tell on myself. The Holy Spirit is stirring me up at CVS. You're like, why are you in CVS? I don't know. It's my happy place. Especially after February, Valentine's Day. I like to go there, watch the lonely ladies buy half-off candy. I'm joking, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm also buying the candy, eating it, and bringing some home to my wife. Like, I knew today would be better than yesterday. We don't even believe in St. Valentine. We believe in St. Paul. You know, anyway, so. Um, I'm at CVS, and I see this guy, and the Lord prompts me, like he does, talk to him. The Lord didn't even say pray, just talk. I got it. I'm up to my neck in Reese's. I don't really want to talk to anybody. I just had a long week of ministry. I did 130 services last year. I was at the end of my rope, if I'm being honest with you. I'm like, you're a pastor. You're supposed to be grateful. I understand. Hear me out. And so I'm like, Lord, they're probably fine. And this guy, I literally said in to myself, like, Lord, this guy doesn't seem like he'll receive anyway. He doesn't seem like that kind of guy. And I walk away. And as I'm writing this message to come here, the Lord reminded me of that moment and said, do you know why you put him below you? Like he doesn't need it. He's good. It's because you're not obsessed with me who is above you. So you're able to put people in lower places because you're not obsessed with, because if you talk to, look, 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 if you talk to an artist about their painting, you might look at it and be like, oh, this is not very good. 
But then you talk to them about their intention and their design. And the understanding that they bring to that piece gives you an appreciation for whatever it is. And oftentimes the reason we see situations and things and even people as below us is because we're not obsessed with the God who's above us. We don't talk to, about, to the designer about the design and so it just throws everything off. He knew that, Abram knew that he had to keep his eyes even on what he could not see. That, that's literally what we're called to do. A city designed, built by God. I'll end like this today. When I was with my friend in Boston, getting lost, watching him walk around like a psycho, smiling at people. I'm like, first of all, everyone knows you don't smile at people in Boston. They're angry Tom Brady left still. They're not over it. <laughs> no football fans? Okay. Um, like we were literally going from shop to shop boutique to boutique space to space and he's just enjoying it I said Peter doesn't it feel good to just not have a direction for a moment to just want just wander a little bit we'll probably find someone great and we did we found this great pizza spot that had terrible reviews but the food was mwah, chef's kiss and the Lord reminded me right there he said can, can you just take your foot off the gas a little bit Peter can I communicate with you without having to give you the whole picture? I would tell you a lot more. Can you let me lead you? And with my friend in that pizza shop, I said, yo, would you just pray over me and allow the God who created me to now control me? I don't want to be in control. Trying to control the details allowed me to live in three years of disobedience. I don't even know if I'm allowed to say that as a pastor. I did it lived in the disobedience because God told me three years prior to do the thing I waited three years to do and then my spiritual father said to me imagine in your years of disobedience all the people that could have got saved all the people who could have got healed all the people that missed out on an encounter with God because you said no to him when you should have said yes to him just commit to live without the details I don't need God to tell me every piece of the story I don't need God to uncover every portion of everything that's no I just trust him where did you tell me to go? I'm going. What did you ask me to do? I'm doing. Close your eyes with me today. <sighs> I want to ask you some questions, and then we're going to get to the altar. The first piece of instruction God ever gave Abraham is he said, leave. What is God telling you to leave or let go of? Like you had all these incredible encounters in first week. But for them to stick, you got to leave whatever God's telling you to leave. I won't give you an example because I don't want people to get their toes stepped on. But hear me. Leave whatever God's telling you to leave. Okay. In a different direction. What, what is God telling you to say yes to? What is he telling you to say yes to? God, I don't understand it. I don't even know why you asked me. Yes. And lastly today, what is God telling you to keep your eyes on? Whatever you keep your eyes on will capture you. Here's how I want to do the altar tonight.
is I want us to seek the Lord. Not seek Him for something. Just seek Him for Him. When's the last time you got caught up in the circle dance with God? Just you and Him and, and wondering and beauty and you just amazed by His splendor and by His peace and His joy and His favor. Why does the altar always have to be about you getting what you need? How about we give God the one thing he can't give himself? Praise and worship. The Bible says though that if you and I don't cry out, even the rocks will cry out. Because God will get his praise. I want us to end. Whatever this night is, I say, God, we seek you not because we need something, but because we're saying, yes, I don't need the details. So come on. I don't need the details. Just need you. Yes to whatever you say. You want my money, you can have my money. Because if your money's more important to God, then pray to your money when you're sick. If your relationship is more important than God, then, then pray to that person when you go through tough times. But don't put God off to the side. Consider other things more important than him and then pray to him when you quote unquote need him. Because you know this is going to happen. You'll say, God, if you let me get out of this, I promise I won't do it again. And you are not able to keep your promise. Hello. Just get caught up in the dance with him, man. Just seek him because he's him. You know what's been helping me through the fast and our prayer times? I pray I know prayers. Not I need prayers. I know prayers. God, I know you're faithful. I know you're good. I know you're merciful. I know you're kind. I know you create a way where there is no way. I know you make me the head and not the tail. I know your plans are good. I know you're orchestrating my future. I know you're shifting the, shifting uh, my direction. I know you're preparing a table for me in the presence of my enemies. I know I will rise on wings like eagles. I know the joy of the Lord is going to be my strength. I know I'm alive in Christ Jesus. I know I can't fail. I know it's by the grace of God that I'm here. I know I'm here today, but I'm going to different places tomorrow. I know that you're in charge. I know that you're in control. I know! And I tell my spirit what I know so that the spirit man on the inside of me can begin to grow. If you don't tell your spirit what you know, you will not grow. So I tell my spirit, I'm not going to let my spirit tell me I'm tired. I'm not going to let my spirit tell me I don't feel like praying. I'm not going to tell my spirit tell me it's time to go. No, I tell you what to do. So I just praise I know prayers. And the same way I'm shouting right now is exactly how I shout in my room. I feel bad for the people in 212 today. I'm staying in 211 at the hotel. Because this is how God moves in my spirit. Then I begin to sense his presence in the counter. So I've taken too much time. I apologize. But stand with me today. The worship team is going to begin to play. And I'm not going to beg you to come to the altar. But come and seek him on your own accord. Not for something, just for him. And watch what he'll do.